0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joplin Winter, The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle Chapter 21 King Richard Comes to Sherwood Forest Not more than two months had passed and gone, since these stirring adventures befell Robin Hood and Little John, when all Nottinghamshire was a mighty stir and tumult for King Richard of the Lion's Heart was making a royal progress through Merry England, and every one expected him to come to Nottingham Town in his journeying. Messengers went riding back and forth between the Sheriff and the King, until at last the time was fixed upon when His Majesty was to stop in Nottingham as the guest of his worship. And now came more bustle than ever. A great running hither and thither, a rapping of hammers, and babble of voices sounded everywhere through the place, for the folks were building great arches across the streets, beneath which the king was to pass, and were draping these arches with silken banners and streamers of many colors. Great hubbub was going on in the guild hall of the town also, for here a grand banquet was to be given to the king and the nobles of his train, and the best master carpenters were busy building a throne where the king and the sheriff were to sit at the head of the table side by side. It seemed to many of the good folk of the place as if the day that should bring the king into the town would never come, but all the same it did come its own season, and bright shone the sun down into the stony streets which were all alive with a restless sea of people. On either side of the way great crowds of town and country folk stood packed as close together as dried herring in a box, so that the sheriff's men, halberds in hands, could hardly press them back to leave space for the king's riding. "'Take care whom thou pushest against!' cried a great burly friar to one of these men. "'What's thou dig thine elbows into mine sire? By our lady of the fountain, on thou dost not treat me with more deference. I will crack thy knaves pat for day, even though thou be one of the mighty sheriff's men.' At this a great shout of laughter arose from a number of tall yeomen in Lincoln Green that were scattered through the crowd thereabouts. But one that seemed of more authority than the others nudged the holy man with his elbow. "'Peace, Tuck!' said he didst thou not promise me ere thou camest here that thou would put a check upon thy tongue ay mary grumbled the other but i did not think to have a hard-footed knave trample all over my toes as though they were no more than so many acorns in the forest but of a sudden all this bickering ceased for a clear sound of many bugle-horns came winding down the street then all the people craned their necks and gazed in the directions whence they sound came and the crowding and the pushing around the swaying grew greater than ever and now a gallant array of men came gleaming into sight and the cheering of the people ran down the streets as the fire runs in dry grass eight and twenty heralds in velvet and cloth of gold came riding forward over their heads fluttered a cloud of snow-white feathers and each herald bore in his hand a long silver trumpet which he blew musically From each trumpet hung a heavy banner of velvet and cloth of gold, with the royal arms of England emblazoned thereon. After these came riding five score noble knights, two by two, all fully armed, saving that their heads were uncovered. In their hands they bore tall lances, from the tops of which fluttered pennons of many colors and devices. By the side of each knight walked a page clad in rich cloths of silk and velvet, and each page bore in his hands his master's helmet, from which waved long floating plumes of feathers. Never had Nottingham seen a fairer sight than these five score noble knights, from whose armor the sun blazed in dazzling light as they came riding on their great war horses, with clashing of arms and jingling of chains. Behind the knights came the barons and the nobles of the mid country, in robes of silk and cloth of gold, with golden chains about their necks and jewels at their girdles. Behind these again came a great array of men-at-arms, with spears and halberds in their hands, and, in the midst of these, two riders side by side. One of the horsemen was the sheriff of Nottingham, in his robes of office. The other, who was a head taller than the sheriff, was clad in a rich but simple garb, with a broad, heavy chain around his neck. His hair and beard were like threads of gold, and his eyes were as blue as the summer sky. As he rode along, he bowed to the right hand and the left, and a mighty roar of voices followed him as he passed, for this was King Richard. Then, above all the tumult and the shouting, a great voice was heard roaring, "'Heaven, its saints, bless thee! Our gracious King Richard, and likewise Our Lady of the Fountain, bless thee!' Then King Richard, looking toward the spot whence the sound came, saw a tall, burly, strapping priest, standing in front of all the crowd, with his legs wide apart, as he backed against those behind by my soul sheriff said the king laughing ye have the tallest priests in nottinghamshire that e'er i saw in my life if heaven never answered prayers because of deafness methinks i would nevertheless have blessings bestowed upon me for that man yonder would make the great stone image of st peter rub its ears and hearken unto him i would that i had an army of such as he to this the sheriff answered never a word but all the blood left his cheeks and he caught at the pommel of his saddle to keep himself from falling for he also saw the fellow that so shouted and knew him to be friar tuck and moreover behind friar tuck he saw the faces of robin hood and little john and will scarlet and will Stutley and alan Adale and others of the band how now said the king hastily art thou ill sheriff that thou growest so white Nay, your majesties, said the sheriff, it was naught but a sudden pain that will soon pass by. Thus he spoke, for he was ashamed that the king should know that Robin Hood feared him so little that he thus dared to come within the very gates of Nottingham Town. Thus rode the king into Nottingham Town on that bright afternoon in the early fall season, and none rejoiced more than Robin Hood and his merry men to see him come so royally unto his own. Eventide had come— The great feast in the guild hall at Nottingham town was done, and the wine passed freely. A thousand waxen lights gleamed along the board, at which sat lord and noble and knight and squire in goodly array. At the head of the table, upon a throne all hung with cloth of gold, sat King Richard with the sheriff of Nottingham beside him. Quoth the king to the sheriff, laughing as he spoke, I have heard much spoken concerning the doings of certain fellows hereabouts, one Robin Hood and his band, who are outlaws and abide in Sherwood Forest. Canst thou not tell me somewhat of them, Sir Sheriff? For I hear that thou hast had dealings with them more than once. At these words the Sheriff of Nottingham looked down gloomily, and the Bishop of Hereford, who was present, gnawed his nether lip. Quoth the Sheriff, I can tell you, Your Majesty, but little concerning the doings of those naughty fellows, saving that they are the boldest lawbreakers in all the land. Then up spoke young Sir Henry of the Leah, a great favourite with the king, under whom he had fought in Palestine. "'May it please, Your Majesty,' said he, "'when I was away in Palestine I heard alftimes from my father, and in most cases I heard of this very fellow Robin Hood. If Your Majesty would like, I will tell you a certain adventure of this outlaw.' Then the king, laughing, bade him tell his tale, whereupon he told how Robin Hood had aided Sir Richard of the Lee with money that he had borrowed from the bishop of Hereford. Again and again the king and those presents roared with laughter, while the poor bishop waxed cherry-red in the face with vexation, for the matter was a sore thing with him. When Sir Henry of Lee was done, others of the, those presents, seeing how the king enjoyed this merry tale, told other tales concerning Robin and his merry men by the hilt of my sword said stout king richard this is as bold and merry a knave as ever i heard tell of mary i must take this matter in hand and do what thou couldst not thee sheriff do it clear the forest of him and his band that night the king sat in the place that was set apart from his lodgings while in nottingham town with him were young sir henry of lee and two other knights and three barons of nottinghamshire but the king's mind still dwelled upon Robin Hood. "'Now,' quoth he, "'I would freely give a hundred pounds "'to meet this roguish fellow Robin Hood, "'and to see somewhat of his doings in Sherwood Forest.' "'Then up spoke Sir Hubert, of Gingham, laughing, "'If your majesty hath such a desire upon you "'it is not so hard to satisfy,' if your majesty is willing to lose one hundred pounds i will engage to cause you not only to meet this fellow but to feast with him in sherwood marry sir hubert quoth the king this pleaseth me well but how wilt thou cause me to meet robin hood why thus said sir hubert let your majesty and us here present put on the robes of seven of the order of blackfriars and let your majesty hang a purse of one hundred pounds beneath your gown. Then let us undertake to ride from here to Mansfield town to-morrow, and, without I am much mistaken, we will both meet with Robin Hood and dine with him before the day be past. I like thy plan, Sir Hubert, quoth the king merrily, and to-morrow we will try it and see whether there will be virtue in it. So it happened, that when early the next morning the sheriff came to where his liege-lord was abiding, to pay his duty to him, the king told him what they had talked of the night before, and what merry adventure they were set upon undertaking that morning. But when the sheriff heard this, he smote his forehead with his fist. "'Alas!' said he, "'what evil counsel is this, that hath been given thee?' "'Oh, my gracious lord and king, you know not what you do. "'This villain that you thus go to seek "'hath no reverence either for king or king's laws.' "'Ah, but did I not hear aright when I was told "'that this Robin Hood hath shed no blood since he was outlawed, "'saving only that of that vile Guy of Gisborne, "'for whose death all honest men should thank him?' "'Yea, your majesty,' said the sheriff, "'you have heard aright nevertheless. "'Then,' quoth the king, breaking in on the sheriff's speech, what have i do to fear in meeting him having done him no harm truly there is no danger in this but mayhap thou wilt go with us sir sheriff nay quoth the sheriff hastily heaven forbid but now seven habits such as blackfriars wear were brought and the king and those about him having clad themselves therein and his majesty having hung a purse with hundred golden pounds in it beneath his robes they all went forth and mounted the mules that had been brought to the door for them. Then the king bade the sheriff be silent as to their doings, and so they set forth upon their way. Onward they traveled, laughing and jesting, until they passed through the open country, between bare harvest-fields whence the harvest had been gathered home, through scattered glades that began to thicken as they went farther along, till they came within the heavy shade of the forest itself they travelled in the forest for several miles without meeting any one such as they sought until they had come to that part of the road that lay nearest to newstead abbey by the holy saint martin quoth the king i would that i had a better head for remembering things of great need here have we come away and brought never so much as a drop of anything to drink with us now i would give half a hundred pounds for somewhat to quench my thirst withal no sooner had the king so spoken Then out from the cupboard at the roadside Stepped a tall fellow with yellow beard and hair And a pair of merry blue eyes Truly holy brother, saying he Laying his hand upon the king's bridal rein It were an unchristian thing To not give fitting answer to so fair a bargain We keep an inn hereabouts And for fifty pounds we will not only give thee A good draught of wine But we will give thee as noble a feast As ever thou did tickle thy gullet withal so saying he put his fingers to his lips and blew a shrill whistle then straightway the bushes and branches on either side of the road swayed and crackled and threescore broad-shouldered yeomen in lincoln green burst out into the covert how now fellow quoth the king why who art thou thou naughty rogue hast thou no regard for such holy men as we are not a whit quoth merry robin hood for though fellow was he for in sooth all the holiness belonging to rich friars, such as ye are, one could drop into a thimble, and the good wife would never feel it with the tip of her finger. As for my name, it is Robin Hood, and thou mayest have heard it before. Now out upon thee, quoth King Richard, thou art a bold and naughty fellow, and a lawless one withal, as I have often heard tell. Now, prithee, let me and these brethren of mine travel forward in peace and quietness.' it may not be said robin for it would look but ill of us to let such holy men travel onward with empty stomachs but i doubt not that thou hast a fat purse to pay the score at our inn since thou offered freely so much for a poor draught of wine show me thy purse reverend brother or i may perchance have to strip thy robes from thee to search for it myself nay use no force said the king sternly here is my purse but lay not the lawless hands upon our person Oh, tut tut quoth mary robin what proud words are these art thou the king of england to talk so to me here will take this purse and see what there is within will scarlet took the purse and counted out the money then robin bade him keep fifty pounds for himself and put fifty back into the purse this he handed to the king here brother quoth he "'Take this half of thy money, and thank St. Martin, on whom thou didst call before, "'that thou hast fallen into the hands of such gentle rogues "'that there will not strip thee bare as they might do. "'But wilt thou not pat thy cow? For I would fain see thy face.' "'Nay,' said the king, "'I may not put back my cow, "'for we seven have vowed that we will not show our faces for four-and-twenty hours.' "'Then keep them covered in peace,' said Robin, "'and forbe it from me to make you break your vows.' so he called seven of his yeomen and bade them each take a mule by the bridle then turning their faces toward the depths of the woodland they journeyed onward until they came to the open glade and greenwood tree little john with threescore yeomen at his heels had also gone forth that morning to wait along the roads and bring a rich guest to sherwood glade if such might be his luck for many with fat purses must travel the roads at this time when such great doings were going on in nottinghamshire but though little john and so many others were gone friar tuck and two score or more stout yeomen were seated or lying around beneath the great tree and when robin and the others came they leapt to their feet to meet him by my soul quoth merry king richard when he had gotten down from his mule and stood looking about him thou hast in a very truth a fine lot of young men about thee robin methinks king richard himself would be glad of such a bodyguard. ah these are not all my fellows said robin proudly for three score more of them are away on business with my good right-hand man little john as for king richard i tell thee brother there is not a man of us all but would pour out our blood like water for him ye churchmen cannot rightly understand our king but we yeomen love him right loyally for the sake of his brave doings which are so like our own but now friar tuck came bustling up ye good den brothers said he i am right glad to welcome some of my cloth in this naughty place truly methinks these rogues of outlaws would stand but an ill chance were it not for the prayers of holy tuck who laboureth so hard for their well-being here he winked one eye slyly and stuck his tongue into his cheek who art thou mad priest said the king in a serious voice albeit he smiled beneath his cowl at this Firetruck looked all around with a slow gaze Look you now, quoth he, never let me hear you say again that I am no patient man. Here is a knave of Friar calleth me a mad priest, and yet I smite him not. My name is Friar Tuck, fellow, the holy Friar Tuck. There, Tuck, said Robin, thou hast said now. Prithee, cease thy talk, and bring some wine. These reverend men are athirst, and sin they have paid so richly for their score, they mustn't have the best.' Prior Tuck bridled at being so checked in his speech. Nevertheless, he went straight away to do Robin's bidding. So presently, a great crock was brought, and wine was poured out for all the guests and for Robin Hood. Then Robin held his cup aloft. "Stay!" cried he. "Tarry in your drinking till I give you a pledge. Here is to good King Richard of great renown, and may all enemies to him be confounded." Then all drank the king's health, even the king himself methinks good fellow said he thou hast drunk to thine own confusion ne'er a whit quoth mary robin for i tell thee that we of sherwood are more loyal to our lord the king than those of thine order we would give up our lives for his benefiting while ye are constant to lie snug in your abbeys and priors let reign who will at this the king laughed quoth he perhaps king richard's welfare is more to me than thou wottest of fellow but enough of that matter we have paid well for our fare so canst thou not show us some merry entertainment i have often heard that ye are wondrous archers wilt thou not show us somewhat of your skills with all my heart said robin we are always pleased to show our guests all the sport that is to be seen as gaffer swenthalt saith a hard hearth that will not give a cage starling of the best and cage starlings ye are with us ho lads set up garlands at the end of the glade then as the yeomen ran to their master's bidding tuck turned to one of the monk mac- mac- fr- mac- friars thou our master quoth he with a sly wink "'Whenever he cometh across some poor piece of wit, he straightway layeth on the shoulders of this Grafwald Swanholt, whoever he may be, so that the poor good man goeth travelling about with all the odds and ends and tags and rags of our master's brain packed on his back,' thus spake Friar Tuck, but in a low voice, so that Robin could not hear him, for he felt somewhat nettled at Robin's cutting his talk so short. In the meantime, the mark at which they were to shoot was set up six score paces distance, it was a garland of leaves and flowers two spans in width which same was hung upon a stake in front of a broad tree trunk there quoth robin yon is a fair mark lads each of you shoot three arrows thereat and if any fellow misseth by so much as one arrow he shall have a buffet of will scarlet's fist hearken to him quoth friar tuck why master thou dost bestow buffets from thy strapping nephew as though they were love-taps from some bouncing lass i warrant thou art safe to hit the garland thyself or thou wantst not to be so free of his cuffing first david of dankaster shot and lodged all three of his arrows within the garland well done david cried robin thus hath saved thine ears from a morming this day next midge the miller shot and he also lodged his arrows in the garland then followed Watt the tinker but alas for him for one of his shaft missed the mark by the breadth of two fingers come hither fellow said will scarlet in his soft gentle voice i owe thee somewhat that i would pay for within then Watt the tinker came forward and stood in front of will scarlet screwing up his face and shutting his eyes tightly as though he already felt his ears ringing with the buffet will scarlet rolled up his sleeves and standing on tiptoe to give the greater swing to his arm he struck with might and main Oof! came his palm against the tinker's head, and down went stout to the grass, heels over head, as the wooden image at the fair ground goes down when the skilful player throws a cudgel at it. Then, as the tinker sat up upon the grass, rubbing his ears and winking and blinking at the bright stars that danced between his eyes, the yeoman roared with mirth till the forest rang. As for King Richard, he laughed till the tears ran down his cheeks. Thus the band shot each in turn, some getting off scot-free, some winning a buffet that always sent them to the grass." and now last of all robin took his place and all was hushed as he shot the first shaft he shot split a piece from the stake on which the garland was hung the second lodged within an inch of the other by my halidom said king richard to himself i would give a thousand pounds for this fellow to be one of my guard and now for the third time robin shot but alas for him the arrow was ill feathered and wavered to one side it smote an inch outside the garland at this a great roar went up those of the yeomen who sat upon the grass rolling over and over, shouting with laughter, for never before had they seen their master so miss the mark. But Robin flung his bow upon the ground with vexation. Now out upon it! cried he. That shaft had an ill feather to it, for I felt it as it left my fingers. Give me a clean arrow, and I will engage to split the wand with it. At these words the yeomen laughed louder than ever nay good uncle said will scarlet in his soft sweet voice thou hast eh thy fair chance and hast missed thine aim out and out i swear the arrow was as good as any that hath been loosened this day come hither i owe thee somewhat and would fain pay it go good master roared firetuck and may may blessing go with thee thou hast bestowed these love taps of will scarlet's with great freedom it were pity on thou gottest not thine own share "'It may not be,' said Mary Robin. "'I am king here, and no subject may raise hand against the king. "'But even our great King Richard may yield to the holy pope without shame, "'and even take a tap from him by way of penance. "'Therefore I will yield myself to this holy friar, "'who seemeth to be one in authority, and will take my punishment from him.' "'Thus saying, he turned to the king, "'I prithee, brother, wilt thou take my punishing into thy holy hands?' "'With all my heart,' quoth Mary King Richard, rising from where he was sitting, "'I owe thee somewhat for having lifted a heavy weight of fifty pounds from my purse, "'so make room for him and the green lads.' "'And thou makest me tumble,' quoth Robin. "'I will freely give thee back thy fifty pounds, but I tell thee, brother, "'if thou makest me not feel grass all along my back, "'I will take every farthing thou hast for thy boastful speech.' "'So be it,' said the king. "'I am willing to venture it.' Thereupon he rolled up his sleeve, and showed an arm that made the yeoman stare, but Robin, with his feet wide apart, stood firmly planted, waiting the other, smiling. Then the king swung back his arm, and balancing himself a moment, he delivered a buffet at Robin that fell like a thunderbolt. Down went Robin, headlong upon the grass, for the stroke would have felled a stone wall. Then how the yeomen shouted with laughter, till their sides ached, for never had they seen such a buffet given in all their lives as for robin he presently sat up and looked all around him as though he had dropped from a cloud and had lit in a place he had never seen before after a while still gazing about him at his laughing yeoman he put his finger-tips softly to his ear and felt all around it tenderly will scarlet said he count this fellow out his fifty pounds i want nothing more either of his money or of him "'or a merman seized him and his buffeting, "'I would that I had taken my dues from thee, "'for I verily believe he hath deafened mine ear "'from ever hearing again.' "'Then, while gusts of laughter still broke from the band, "'Will Scarlet counted out the fifty pounds, "'and the king dropped it back into his purse again. "'I give thee thanks, fellow,' said he, "'and if ever thou shalt wish for another box of the year "'to match the one thou hast, come to me, "'and I will fit thee with one for naught.' So spake the merry king, but even as he ended there came suddenly the sound of many voices, and out from the covert burst little John and three score men with Sir Richard of the Lee in his midst across the glade they came running, and as they came Sir Richard shouted to Robin, make haste dear friend gather thy band together and come with me king richard left nottingham town this very morning and cometh to seek thee in the woodlands i know not how he cometh for it was but a rumour of this that reached me nevertheless i know that it is the truth therefore hasten with all thy men and come to castle lee for there thou mayest lay hidden till thy present danger passeth who are these strangers that thou hast with thee why quoth mary robin rising from the grass these are certain gentle guests that come with us from the high-road over by newstead abbey i know not their names but i have become right well acquainted with this lusty rogue's palm this morning mary the pleasure of this acquaintance hath dost me a deaf ear and fifty pounds to boot sir richard looked keenly at the tall friar who drawing himself up to his full height looked fixedly back at the knight then of a sudden sir richard's cheek grew pale for he knew who it was that he looked upon quickly he leapt from off his horse's back and flung himself upon his knees before the other at this the king seeing that sir richard knew him threw back his cowl and all the yeomen saw his face and knew him also for there was not one of them but had been in the crowd of the good town of nottingham and had seen him riding side by side with the sheriff down they fell upon their knees, nor could they say a word. Then the king looked all around right grimly, and last of all his glance came back and rested again upon Richard of Lee. "'How is this, Sir Richard?' said he sternly. "'How darest thou step between me and these fellows? And how darest thou offer thy knightly castle of the Lee for a refuge to them? Wilt thou make it a hiding-place for the most renowned outlaws in England?' Then Sir Richard of the Lee raised his eyes to the king's face far be it from me said he to do aught that could bring your majesty's anger upon me yet sooner would i face your majesty's wrath and suffer aught of harm that i could stay to fall upon robin hood and his band for to them i owe life honour everything should i then desert him in this hour of need ere the knight had done speaking one of the mock friars that stood near the king came forward and knelt beside sir richard and throwing back his cowl showed the face of young sir henry of the lee then sir henry grasped his father's hand and said here kneels one who hath served thee well king richard and as thou knowest hath stepped between thee and death in palestine yet do i abide by my dear father and here i say also that i would freely give shelter to this noble outlaw robin hood even though it brought thy wrath upon me for my father's honour and my father's welfare are as dear to me as mine own King Richard looked from one to the other of the kneeling knights, and at last the frown faded from his brow, and a smile twitched at the corner of his lips. "'Mary, Sir Richard,' quoth the king, "'thou art a bold-spoken knight, "'and thy freedom of speech weigheth not heavily against thee with me. "'This young son of thine, taken after his sire, "'both in boldness of speech and of deed, "'for as he saith, he stepped one time betwixt me and death, "'wherefore I would pardon thee for his sake "'even if thou hast done more than thou hast.' rise all ye for ye shall suffer no harm through me this day for it were pity that a merry time should end in a manner as it to mar its joyousness then all arose and the king beckoned robin hood to come to him how now quoth he is thine ear still too deaf to hear me speak mine eye ears would be deafened in death ere they would cease to hear your majesty's voice said robin as for the blow that your majesty struck me i would say that though my sins are haply many, methinks they have been paid up in full thereby ah thinkest thou so said the king with somewhat of a sternness in his voice now i tell thee that but for three things to wit my mercifulness my love for a stout woodsman and the loyalty thou hast avowed for me thine ears mayhap may have been more tightly closed than ever a buffet for me could have shut them talk not lightly of thy sins good robin but come look up thy danger is past for hereby i give thee and all thy band free pardon but in sooth i cannot let you roam the forest as ye have done in the past therefore i will take thee at thy word when thou didst say thou wouldst give thy service to me and thou shalt go back to london with me who will take that bold knave little john also and likewise thy cousin will scarlet and thy mist minstrel alina dale as for the rest of thy band we will take their names and have them duly recorded as royal rangers for methinks it were wiser to have them changed to law-abiding caretakers of our deer and sherwood than to leave them to run at large as outlaw slayers there home. but now get a feast ready i would see how ye live in the woodlands so robin bade his men make ready a grand feast straightway great fires were kindled and burned brightly at which savoury things roasted sweetly whilst this was going forward the king bade robin call allan and dale for he would hear him sing so word was passed for allan and presently he came bringing his harp marry said king richard if thy singing match thy looks it is fair enough prithee strike up a ditty and let us have taste of thy skill then allan touched his harp lightly and all words were hushed while he sang thus O oh, where hast thou been, my daughter? Oh where hast thou been this day, daughter, my daughter, Oh I have been to the river's side where the waters lie all grey and wide, and the grey sky broods are the leaden tide, and the shrill wind sighs a straining. And the shrill wind sighs a straining. What sawest thou there, my daughter? What sawest thou there this day, daughter, my daughter? Oh, I saw a boat come drifting nigh where the quivering rushes hiss and sigh, and the water sows as it gurgles by, and the shrill wind sighs a straining, and the shrill wind sighs a straining. What sailed in the boat, my daughter? What sailed in the boat this day, daughter, my daughter? Oh, there was a one all clad in white, and about his face hung a pallid light, and his eyes gleamed sharp like the stars at night, and the shrill wind a straining, and the shrill wind a straining. And what said he, my daughter? what said he to thee this day daughter my daughter oh said he not but did he this thrice on my lips did he press a kiss and my heart strings shrunk with an awful bliss and the shrill inside a straining and the shrill inside a straining why growest thou so cold my daughter why growest thou so cold and white Daughter, my daughter, oh, never a word the daughter said, but she sat all straight with a drooping head, for her heart was stilled and her face was dead, and the shrill inside a straining, and the shrill inside a straining. All listened in silence, and when Alan adale had done, King Richard heaved a sigh. By the breath of my body, Alan, quoth he, thou hast such a wondrous sweet voice that it strangely moves my heart. But what doleful ditty is this for the lips of a stout yeoman? I would rather hear thee sing a song of love and battle than a sad thing like that. Moreover, I understand it not. What meanest thou by the words? I know not, Your Majesty, said Alan, shaking his head, for oft times I sing that which I do not clearly understand mine own self well well quoth the king let it pass only i tell thee this alan thou shouldest turn thy songs to such matter as i spoke of to wit love or war for in sooth thou hast a sweeter voice than blondel and methought he was the best minstrel that ever i heard but now one came forward and said that the feast was ready so robin hood brought king richard and those with him to where it lay all spread out on fair white linen cloths which lay upon the soft green grass then king richard sat him down and feasted and drank and when he was done he swore roundly that he had never sat at such a lusty repast in all his life before that night he lay in Her- sherwood forest upon a bed of sweet green leaves and early the next morning he set forth from the woodlands for nottingham town robin hood and all his band going with him you may guess what a stir there was in the good town when all those famous outlaws came marching into the streets as for the sheriff He knew not what to say, nor where to look, when he saw Robin Hood in such high favour with the King, while all his heart was filled with gall because of the vexation that lay upon him. The next day the King took leave of Nottingham Town. So Robin Hood, and Little John, and Will Scarlet, and Alan Adale shook hands with all the rest of the band, kissing the cheeks of each man, and swearing that they would often come to Sherwood and see them. Then each mounted his horse, and rode away in the train of the King. End of chapter 21 The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood